0: roads and the future is completely within our control we're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time this is the time for us to just really take charge
1: that's what revolutions do they enable the impossible hi there we're off this week working on some new stories for you but we didn't want to leave you hanging Instead, we wanted to resurface this interview with Michael McNally. Michael does brand relations for Lego. And in this episode, we talked about how you take such an established brand to the next level. Plus, he explains why adult you is laughing just as much in the Lego movies as the kids sitting next to you. And if you're really missing us, as you should, you should check out our new podcast, Weird Work. It's about the surprisingly normal people doing the strangest jobs out there. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, and pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks. You have like one of the coolest jobs. You must hear that all the time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I do hear it all the time. And I, you know, I, I always feel like the grass has got to be greener on the other side, because, sure. um, you know, it's it's one of those things where I see so many other people who do amazing things. And I think, wow, I, I can only imagine having that job. So it's all relative, I guess.
1: Yeah. The day you got the job, were you like, this is great. This is it.
0: Um, it's ironic because uh, I was working in an agency in Boston, um, oh, cool. and we were kind of like, "Oh, we we can't live on ramen noodles for the rest of our lives." <laughs> um, and this is a pretty expensive place to to live when you're um, when you're not making a lot of money in an agency. So um, we started looking, and I found a position um, with Lego. I had no idea where Enfield, Connecticut, was, and I applied, and um, and I got it. And and my mom told me after I got the job, she said, you know, you, you always said that you would work at Lego someday. And I, I couldn't remember having told her that, but I was a total Lego kid growing up. Moms
1: always remember uh, that stuff.
0: I know they, so I must've said it. I just don't remember it, but I, I guess, um, dreams do come true.
1: That's awesome. So you were a total Lego kid. What, what did you play with? What did you build? Um, I,
0: I was pretty much like, I guess back then it was called Legoland. Um, yeah. But today it would be called Lego City. So um, anything to do with like a downtown, um, you know, houses and buildings and schools. And, um, you know, I, I have this whole sort of layout in my uh, in my basement. Nice. I, yeah.
1: I was thinking about this on the way over that when I was a kid and just like, painfully unhappy with the size of my bedroom and the style of my bedroom (laughs) I would build I would do like internal design for out of my Legos where I'd like build the the dream bedroom that I wanted with swing sets and hammocks and all that stuff inside oh
0: that's really cool I had all these like
1: other versions of my bedroom I had uh I'd love it if you could just give me an overview of what you do at Lego
0: Sure. I, um, I have the good fortune of looking after a function called brand relations for Lego. And uh, here in North America, that is um, public relations, partner marketing, event marketing, and content marketing.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. So all three of those paired together. Uh, the, the partnership stuff, I think, is particularly a standout for Lego. You guys have amassed some really incredible partners from UNICEF to Disney to Warner Brothers. How do you venture into a partnership like that?
0: Um, many different paths to partnership, and a lot of them are, are handled by some of our teams who focus on what is the, the future product development look like. So when you're talking about the Disneys and the Warner Brothers of the world, um, that's usually predicated on some kind of product development, whether it's Star Wars or Disney Princess or, you know, like a Lord of the Rings type um, theme. And then there are other partnerships that we pursue that are, are sort of business related. Um, and then there are others that are are looking to find new consumer audiences. So a great example of that is um, last uh, last year, just actually um, just this past January, we partnered with ESPN around their college football initiative, and they sure. had a, a really strong passion to try and get more families tuning in to college football playoffs, and um, they, they were looking for that to, to be kind of a New Year's Day activity or a New Year's Eve activity as well. And so we partnered with them. We were looking for more of a sports angle, which we don't have a product solution for. And they were looking for a way to, um, to talk to families and uh, in particular families with kids. So it was a really nice way for us to sort of um, meet our mutual objectives, but also share our value with each other.
1: See, on face value, that actually seems like an unusual partnership to me. So did they come to you or did you go to them? Who recognized first that there was some overlap?
0: It's interesting because I think we both were identifying each other at the same time and and there might have been an overlap in the in the outreach from both sides. So, um, you know, everybody's out there trying to to be creative and think about how to meet people in unexpected ways. And I think that's truly the the best partnership is the one that people don't see coming. But that makes a lot of sense when it happens.
1: Absolutely. Um, So speaking of being creative, you've gotten to work on a lot of really fascinating projects. Is there any that stand out to you as you know really meaningful to you, or one that personally kind of was your favorite?
0: Um, I've been here for 17 years, so I have so many, and it's uh, it's almost like trying to choose um, a favorite child. You just can't really do it. But um, I, I will say that um, probably one of the the coolest uh, moments that we had was building the world's largest lego model which happened to be uh, a lego star wars x-wing fighter and it was 44 feet wide by 44 feet long and it was built um, by master builders in the czech republic and brought over on a boat and assembled um, on long island and then we we actually um had it on trailers that, that took it into Manhattan, and we installed it in right in the middle of Times Square. And, you know, that's just one of those moments when you're standing there and your you know, fog machines are going off and there are, are hundreds of thousands of people standing in Times Square, and you're about to launch, you know, the world's largest Lego model, and... Um, you just have to pinch yourself in a moment like that. But it's also one where it was like, yeah, we're doing this. Uh, we're we're Lego and we're right here in Times Square and this is happening. So uh, it's one of those like, this is my job, yeah. but also one of those things where you're like, but this is pretty amazing at the same time.
1: Just once I want to be able to tell a story where I can recount the fog machines going off and being able to launch something <laughs> that's that big.
0: It's amazing how many times fog machines uh, make an appearance in my life. Yeah.
1: Uh, so you guys think so big, it's almost like the same imagination that goes into putting together a, a, a cityscape or um, a space edition of, of Lego kind of is the same mentality that you guys take to your work when it comes to marketing. I wonder, I, and this is a pretty big question, but like, what are your thoughts on growing a brand that's already as iconic and big as Lego? What's, how do you think about what's next?
0: i think that is such a um a million dollar question that we ask ourselves all the time and when you think about a brand that's been around since 1932 and is still owned privately by the same family um you know we're we're on the third generation ownership um of the of the founder and um and his children are about to to uh, take over the business. And um, you just you think about how much family history and heritage is wrapped up uh, in this company and how much we've grown um, in the in the seventeen years that I've been here, I think when I started, we had um, maybe like, 5000 employees and and today we have um almost 18000 employees around mm-hmm. the world. So um there's been so much growth and and so much expansion of the brand but at the same time it is still very much that familiar um iconic um Lego toy and brand with the same values that we've had since 1932 and it's a big job um to think about protecting a family's legacy. Um, and we take it really seriously. And I, I think that's one of the things that um, that does make this job really challenging is um, we're not just here to make money. We're, we're here to continue history, and um, we do think of ourselves as a purpose-driven company. And by that, you know, it, it's really about inspiring and developing the builders of tomorrow. And prior to our, our conversation here, we were talking about the fact that um, We've reached almost 100 million kids last year around the world, and not all of that was the result of retail transactions, uh, or, or children taking building sets home and playing with them. A lot of that comes from our foundation activity, which is charitable, and, and reaching out to take LEGO experiences to kids who have never seen it before in different parts of the world, and introduce them to, to what it's like to be creative. So. It's, it's one of those things where um, we take it seriously. We try to always have fun and be lighthearted because at the end of the day, it is about play and, and children. But it, it's super exciting, too, because we do have to think big and we do have to think beyond um, what what people can do at home to really break through.
1: Has there ever been a time when an idea or a new direction has sort of clearly fallen outside of those values that you guys just said no to. And and how are you able to differentiate?
0: Yeah. You know, we, um, when, when you have the job that we have, we actually say no more than we say yes. Um, and that's really a tough thing. Um, uh, because when, when people contact us, uh, with great ideas and, and many of them are great ideas, um, you know, it's really hard because they're so excited. They're like, oh, my God, it's Lego. You know, we're actually talking to Lego. Could we actually have a meeting with Lego and share our idea? And it's so tough to say, you know what, that just doesn't meet um, what we're looking to do at the moment or it's kind of outside of our scope. Um, but it's, it's of course, also very humbling that that so many people do contact us and, and want to work with us and and have um, ideas for, for how Lego could come to life in their uh, in their context.
1: Yeah, you know, Michael, you talk about um, LEGO as being a very purpose-driven, kind of principled company. And um, I've had a couple other conversations this year, uh, one with uh, Rick Ridgeway of Patagonia, uh, another recently um, with the author of The Happiness Equation. And both of them sort of talked about that intersection of purpose and work. And I'm curious about your thoughts about how that bleeds into your personal life and, you know, do you find that you're that you separate your personal life from your work life or is it the same passion that's driving them both?
0: It's it's absolutely the same passion that drives both. Um, and I think that's that's one of the joys of being part of a family owned company and privately held company is that we do feel like we are. Um, very personal here with one another um, it's hard to think about 18,000 people being personal but when you're part of a family uh, enterprise um, you can be and very much the the idea of, of what motivates me at work is is what does um, reward and, and drive me in my, my personal life I think there is a huge difference uh, between getting up every morning to uh, make a difference in the world than there is to to get up to make money Sure. Um, and I don't come to work to make money and no one here comes to work to make money. Um, we, we very much come here to serve the needs of, of kids and to find as many kids as possible to engage in a Lego building experience.
1: That's gotta be a big driver for being there 17 years, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to think about a better place to be.
1: How, how much has it changed over the time that you've been there? Is it a very different company beyond just employee size, uh, has much changed in the fabric of the company?
0: No, you know, the culture has really stayed the same, and that's really, um, I think, reassuring, and it's also, I think, very much um, what we can attribute our our success to, that um, we have stayed true to our values, and the culture is pervasive. Um, you know, the, the toughest part, I think the thing that makes a lot of us who have been here for a long time nervous is um, to see new people come in and to look around and see so many new faces. Because um, while there's a lot of excitement in new perspectives, um, there's also the risk that sure. um, somebody may not understand the brand the way that we do through our experience with it. and. Uh, we don't want to make mistakes. And, um, you know, that that can be the most disconcerting thing is like, does this person know Lego enough to make that decision?
1: Yeah, I wonder how much having a a single family owning a company influences that, or even just a strong founder with a clear vision, um, how that how much that's able to seep into employees of all seniority.
0: Yeah, it, it absolutely is, is key. And um, our, our owner, um, Kjeld Kirk Christiansen, is, um, is one of the nicest and, uh, and humblest people you would ever meet. Um, you know, he, he's, he doesn't look for fanfare. He doesn't like the spotlight at all. Um, what he loves the most is actually to be around children. Mm. and he is known for making surprise appearances at um, Lego fan events or at first Lego League um, festivals, and, you know, he'll just walk up completely unidentified and start talking to kids about, you know, what are you doing, what are you building, what are you creating, and you can see people like, I think this is the owner of Lego, you know, (laughs) Um, and, and that's, I think, just It really does set the right tone and is such a great model for the rest of us that um, it is about about serving those kids and and making sure that we're doing right by them. It's not about, you know, fame or or money or power or authority or anything else.
1: Can you tell me about any memorable experiences that you've had in meeting uh, customers of Lego?
0: Yeah, you know, um, we have an initiative every year, um, and and I have the good fortune of of being out in the in the public an awful lot and talking with um, people. And you know, everyone has a Lego story or a connection. Or you know, my son is the best Lego builder ever. My daughter would love to be a a master builder someday. How can she? How could she best achieve that? Um, So. Anytime people find out that you work for LEGO, there's a story that comes along with it. And, um, and that's so wonderful. But one of the most memorable um, stories that, that I can think of um, is every holiday season, we have employees who um, go out into stores and, um, and will pair up and, uh, and stand in the LEGO section of uh, a Toys R Us, for example, and we're just there to help people find products um, that they're looking for. A lot of people come in in the holiday time frame; they don't know exactly what they're looking for, um, so we ask them questions about a child's age, do they have certain interests or passions, or do they like dragons, do they like yeah. uh, princesses, etc., and, um, and we help them find a Lego solution uh, based on that input. Nice. And so, one time, I was um, I was standing in the aisle, and this this adorable older couple um, came down the aisle, and um, and they were just kind of like very casually looking and and not trying not to be noticed. I think, and um, I said, you know, hi, how are you? Is there anything that I can do to help you? I I work for Lego. Uh, maybe I can help you find um, something for one of your grandchildren. And they looked at me, and they smiled, and, uh, and the woman um, said, we're not looking for anything for our uh, grandchildren. I, we're actually looking for something for our son. And I thought to myself, uh-oh, you know, what, what is, what's going on here? And um, she said, he is 35 years old, and he is an architect, and every year we buy him a Lego set because he grew up playing with Lego, And so every year we buy him a Lego set and we put it under the tree and um, we do that because it reminds us of the joy of when he was a child and watching him build. And so it's kind of a thing that we have now. It's a tradition and um, we'll just poke around and find something. And I thought, my gosh, you know, this this isn't even just about the the kids. It's about the connection that the brand creates for the entire family.
1: That's such an awesome story. One of the classic campaigns that I've loved from LEGO is uh, you guys took very iconic, uh, recognizable characters like South Park and basically reconstructed them through LEGO. Um, And what I loved about that campaign was it was so simple, it was easy to understand, it was immediately recognizable, um, and it resonated with people. But I would imagine it takes a lot of hard work to get to that level of simplicity. What advice would you give to people who are struggling to simplify their message, their product, uh, their campaigns?
0: That is um, such a, a good question. And, um, you know, the the approach that we take, um, that is, I think, really been our silver bullet in identifying um, wh- how, what is truly the, the target um, and, and how do we shoot at it every time, um, is to take a consumer approach. To marketing and really put yourself in the shoes of the consumer and figure out what is the problem that they have what needs do they have and is your brand or your product or your service something that can credibly solve that issue for them Um, if the answer is no then it's a wasted marketing effort Mm -hmm. but if you can find a credible Way in which your brand or product or service can authentically solve the need that someone has Then there's an opportunity to engage them and then you have to to sort of figure out What is the right way to do it a a great example? um, Is that many years ago? We um, we were looking for new marketing audiences and we realized that there's this really? Powerful connection that today's dads have with the Lego brand because they grew up playing with it Um, and you know, nobody, I would say eight years ago, nobody was thinking about talking to dads at all. You mm-hmm. know, everybody's always focused on mom as the shopper and mom as the gatekeeper for everything in the home, especially toys. And we thought, mm, there might be a, an opportunity for, for the Lego company to, um, to reach out and engage dads. That would be unexpected, it would be surprising, but probably also fruitful. Um, and so we thought, wow, that's a great idea. We, we could run and do it but we we said time out, let's let's actually do some pretty extensive research and find out what are today's dads, what are their needs, what are their issues, and do we credibly solve any of those issues for them? Mm Fortunately, we were able to find out that dad has many needs um, these days relative to being a dad, and um, we were able to identify a couple of areas where we could be that credible solution. Um, We focused um, among those things on this idea of buddy time. Dads are really looking for great ways to engage with their kids um, in a way that's fun for everyone. You know, So a lot yeah. of times parents will end up doing something with kids that they're like, mm, I'm not that excited about this, but the kids will love it, so let's do it. Um, And what we found is that dads would be equally as excited about spending time with their kids playing with Lego that their kids would be to play with Lego together with their father. So um, there was a credible match there, and so then we started campaign development. And I think it's a much different proposition when when you know that you're serving a need that exists rather than a marketing objective that's rooted in creating needs that people didn't know that they had.
1: And it kind of goes back to that theme of generations that you were talking about before where you're thinking about both sides of that interaction, of, of that relationship. It's the fact that, you know, you can go to the Lego movie as an adult and as a kid and you'll laugh at the same parts or different parts, but you'll both get something out of it. I think there's something really cool and, and again, principled and purposeful about, you know, bringing both sides of the equation into that relationship and thinking about them both. Um, now, I want to shift gears for a moment and talk about management. Um, you have managed large teams at LEGO for a long time. You um, have a, a long-standing history there. I'm curious about your approach to management. Was there ever a time when your team got into a rut and you needed to help them get out of it?
0: Yeah. You know, um, we... Uh, and I, I can be the uh, guilty as charged as well, <laughs> you know. So I think um, it's it's very easy to um, find something that works and just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, you can find yourself asleep at the wheel um, in in terms of just well, this is this worked before. Let's do it again. We'll just update it. Um, and there definitely have been times where we're like, ah, we got to shake it up. We need to do something different. And that can be. Um, Stressful because, you know, it's not proven if you're doing something new, but um, it's I I know it sounds corny, but we (laughs) oftentimes when we find ourselves stuck, we reach into the bowl of bricks that you can find on pretty much every conference table in our offices and we start building. Because cool. when you when you start to think with your hands and um, and really get out of your head, you can end up with solutions that you didn't really think of before, or that are just slight tweaks on what you've already been doing that make it a totally different thing. Um, and I know it, it's really inspiring throughout the entire company. We see building playing that role. Um, we we have. Um, a model shop here in Connecticut where we have master builders who who make life-size models. So you think, well, those guys, if they're in a creative rut, what could they possibly do? They yeah. can't just build because that's what they do all the time. Um, and it's really fascinating. What they do is um, they'll move to a different medium. Um, and start um, creating with clay or carving wood or doing paper craft. Um, again, this idea of just unleashing yourself from what you do normally and trying to think with your hands instead of with your, with your brain um, is something that, that works um, time and again here for our entire group.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. It's actually something that also came up in The Happiness Equation, um, which I, if you haven't read that, I'd recommend it. Um, but it's the idea of thinking at different speeds, right? So there are times when you should just be doing and not really thinking, be, be sort of right. absent and wrapped up in the work, building a structure, or um, switching mediums, as you say. And then there are other times when you it's worthwhile to be deep in thought. But you need to have those moments of both, and they need to switch mm. back and forth so that you can continue to sort of refresh your creative drive. Uh, So that's really cool to see that in practice.
0: And you know what it does as well is um, it really equalizes the room. So you can have people from all different levels, from the most senior leader to the most junior person in the in the organization. If they're engaged in the same activity, Lego is an equalizer. So um, it's everyone is vulnerable when they're building something and sharing it with the room. Um, so it doesn't really matter what your title is. Um, everybody's on on that same playing field when you're when you're creating together.
1: Lego is definitely an equalizer. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, been a thrill, and um, I love telling these stories. It's uh, it's my job, um, but but the best part is that they're all so um, so true, and uh, and they're happening all the time, every day, around the world.
1: Nice. You've had a really fascinating career. I I am. Um... I admire it. I envy it a little bit, um, but I'm really glad that you came on the show to tell us about it. So thank you so much, Michael.
0: I really appreciate you having me. It's been fun.
1: Hey, you're still here. Good on you. Thanks for sticking around. I have one last real quick ask. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. I know, I know. It sounds played out but it actually helps people find the show. And it makes my mom proud. So thank you in advance. Oh, and hi mom.